Hi, if you're a fan of Nonprofit Lowdown, you might be interested in my weekly free newsletter where I send out weekly inspiration for fundraising, notices about any upcoming events that I'm doing, and a cute dog picture. So check it out at riawong.com, R-A-G-A-W-O-N-G.com. Welcome to Nonprofit Lowdown. I'm your host, Ria Wong. Hey, podcast listeners, Bria with you once again with Nonprofit Lowdown. Today, we are going to talk about junior boards. And I have invited my friend, Peter Goldwasser, who is the founder of PNG Group, has a long history in nonprofits and government to talk about his experience of founding the Young Eagles, which is the junior board of the Brooklyn Public Library. The junior board for the Brooklyn Public Library, not to be confused with the Young Lions, which is the far inferior junior board <laughs> of the New York Public Library because they have patience and fortitude outside the 42nd Street branch and Brooklyn has the two eagles outside of Grand Army. No, they're great. Not as great as the eagles. All right, before we jump into the young eagles, tell us a little bit about yourself and your long career in service, both in the nonprofit and governmental fields. Yeah, I'll keep it quick. And especially since I've aged out of chairing the, the Brooklyn Eagles since I'm now older and have more gray hair and less hair. But so nice to meet everyone on, on, the, on the call here virtually. So my name is Peter. I'm formerly a human rights attorney by training and my career sort of over the last 20 plus years has really focused on the intersection of public-private partnerships and how to create strategic alliances and programming to move the needle on different issues number of years in the Blue administration, running national and local campaigns on everything from immigration to anti-sex trafficking to education. I worked in the transportation field in the nonprofit world doing fundraising and political advocacy for a while. I worked up at Bloomberg Philanthropy, running a national program on volunteerism and how to help mayors engage residents to create impact. And over the last six years now, well, it's been a while, I've been running my own firm which really aims to work with businesses, help them figure out how to create social impact programs, connect them with nonprofits and government. And on sort of the personal side, as you'd said, I founded and chaired the Brooklyn Eagles, which is the junior board quite a number of years ago now for the Brooklyn Library. And over the last eight or nine years, I think they raised almost a million dollars now, have held several events, classic, launched a literary prize. I also chair the local board of the Back on My Feet, which is a national nonprofit working on homelessness and running. And then a big part of my practice as well is working with nonprofits around helping them figure out boards and best manage boards and also how to create junior boards, which we're going to talk about today and why they're great, some of the sticking points, how they can be effective, how they can be a disaster, is it really worth it, and all that jazz. Awesome. Thank you for that. Thank you for your service. So... Let's start with the origin story of the Young Eagles, because I think a lot of folks listening have either tried to start a junior board, have a junior board, or have seen a junior board fail. So it'd be interesting to first talk about, why did you first start the Young Eagles? Yeah. So right around the time, so I've always loved libraries just as a general proposition in terms of their role in society and the sort of anchor institution. And I don't need to extel the, the value of Brooklyn Public Library, but it's this wonderful organization. And then especially when we had our daughter, who's now 12, when she was young, we would always be going to the library, taking on boatloads of books. So quite honestly, I was sitting around, this is when I was working at City Hall, shooting the shit with a man, Anthony Crowell, who's the, the counselor of the mayor, who's now the dean of New York Law School. At that point, he was the chair of the board for the library. 
And he said, I said, hey, New York has the, the Young Lions. Does Brooklyn have an equivalency? He said, no, write a plan. I said, okay, I wrote a plan. He put me in front of Linda Johnson, who was the president of the library. And she was gung-ho about it. Well, let's do it. Interestingly, the development staff, who have now become over the years very close friends and colleagues with Lexi Mayers, who's the head of development, wonderful woman, she was a bit reticent. She had been down this road before with the previous group, and it was successful for a year. And we'll talk, I think, a little bit later about why that happened, and then it sort of petered out. So there were small staff. It was a lot of work, and it didn't lead to anything. So a good portion of in the beginning, starting slow, showing the plan, convincing them that I was committed to it, and going slow and steady in terms of where we wanted to grow this organization and, and why and how. But that was sort of the origin story of it. So it was very quixotic in how it was born. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack there because I too have seen junior boards rise and fall. And I'm wondering if you could lay out for us some of the pitfalls that you've seen with respect to junior boards. And then we can talk about what you did, right? <laughs> yeah. First and foremost, and this was a conversation that Lexi and I and her staff had in the beginning to be aligned on, which is first and foremost, why are you creating it? And, it, and I think the, cent- the, the central alien question is, do you expect it to return an ROI that is defined financially? Or is it really a vehicle to create future class of donors? I leaned heavily for the latter and said, we will not be successful. And I would be as interesting to me personally, if it is purely a fundraising vehicle, I don't think it's realistic. I think that it's not the greater sort of goal of it. And so we aligned in the beginning that, and it's a balance, right? And we'll go a little bit, I think, in terms of like what makes a good initial chair. And so much of it, I think is, I'm not good at a lot of things, but I'm definitely good at like, I think, working with people and understanding relationships and managing up and down. And one of it was sort of a, throughout the life of it, a bit of a dance with Lexi as the group grew more successful, as it grew bigger, as we had more events. She's like, I can't lose money on this. I like to make a little money, but being open and honest in the beginning about is it meant to increase the future donor base versus is it meant to bring in money from day one to augment your in the budget in terms of what you need to raise. So I, I think that was sort of one of the, that would be the question that I would say is most important from the beginning to be very clear and honest with your, yourself. Do you have the capacity? It will take some staff time. We'll talk about that and so forth. And so can you afford to have your head of development 5% of their time doing it when they're not, when they're not raising money to come in tomorrow in the door? Yeah. Um, so what were the other components? Like clarity and alignment around the ultimate goal. One of the things I hear a lot about is the fact that with staff capacity, it can be hard to think about how to allocate staff time to manage. How much staff time were you asking for and what kind of staff support? Yeah. And so the way that the Eagles started in the beginning, it was essentially a mini city hall because I was just recruiting all of my friends and colleagues that I worked with. And everyone was pretty into it. It's not hard to sell the library. We had conversations around membership. It was $25 to join the psychologists around like the, the buy-in of that and why that's important. The, the downfalls of that is that it was too insular. It wasn't diverse enough. And it was becoming one of the big things we always wanted to make sure is, and, and we can talk about transition. After five years, I stepped down. I felt that there was enough 
institutional fidelity, strength, diversity. And I didn't, I think the other big thing to learn is that I don't want it to be about founder and about the original co-chair because then it, it has trouble sort of living on. And so it was sort of bittersweet, but I felt like our two co-chairs were wonderful. We had enough people to sort of pass on the baton and I had done my work. And so sad to step away, but important for the larger of the organization. In terms of staff time, I think that I spent a lot of time in the beginning one or two years just managing it. I would say probably 10, 15 hours a week on the recruitment, on the strategy, figuring out what activities we were going to do. We eventually created a, a full-fledged gala, the Brooklyn Classic. The first year it was a disaster. It took place at Grand Army, terrible acoustics. It was like, a, I describe it as a weird mix between like a boring LinkedIn event and like post office cocktails. Like there was no identity. It was like, is this supposed to be a party or networking? There was a mariachi band because I had like seen them on the subway. So it was a disaster. And then in the subsequent years, it was like, no, this is a party. We moved it to the Park Slope Ranch and it was amazing. It was like a DJOP, full on party. The Eagles expanded to create the Brooklyn Literary Prize, which is now in itself a super successful standalone where we honor authors. So it's sort of growing activities. Very specifically there, I would say the biggest staff commitment was around on the communication side and the marketing side, because we, I thought it was important to have a consistent monthly engagement. And so we needed some help in terms of designing the emails, sending it out, tracking that. So it wasn't all on the development shoulders. It was important that I had we created pretty quickly a leadership committee. And so in the beginning, there was probably 75 members overall. And we had a group of 10 or 15 leadership folks and we would meet regularly. But it was really about finding that balance between like how much can we do, how much rope can they give us and do on ourselves and how much does so it's sort of a trust and how much do they, and as, as we grew more successful, as they trusted us more, they could do less and less and we could do more and more. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess if you could guesstimate how much staff time, I guess it must have been the development director dedicated to the Young Eagles. And I, and you mentioned it's really about more like the administration and the communications, but if you could give us a sense of from a time percentage estimate and then specifically what other types of support that they offer. Yeah, I would say probably over the course of the beginning years, they probably were doing 10 to 15 hours a month, maybe. It would ramp up and down if we were doing service events. Could we jump over a little bit, but like sort of a big part of the strategy, I think, in the beginning is figuring out what does the group stand for? What's its strategic purpose for the organization? And then what are they going to do? Which is like, like, we can't skip over that. Like you bring this group together, are they doing service projects on behalf of the organization? Are they holding many sort of events to raise some money? Are you connecting to them, to the board itself? How are you creating an experience that's memorable for them? Like it doesn't have to be huge, but you also want to have to think about the value proposition from the people that are joining. Like what are they getting? We were lucky with the library in that we had a built-in series of programming. So we didn't have to, in terms of time management, didn't have to say library create us new things. Instead, we just cherry picked activities that we thought would be interested to this cohort 
And then in the newsletter, just say, hey, Eagles want to let you know that the library is having a discussion with this author or this is taking place. And so we were able to not make more work. Uh, that's, I think that's really key. Talk to me about organizational complexity, because I feel like when I've seen things fail, either because there's not enough clarity around infrastructure and like who does what and how things get done, or there's way too much and it gets super complex to do anything. So how did you strike the balance between sort of minimum viable infrastructure? I would say a lot of it comes down to the, unpack it a little bit, I would say probably the most important decision finding that initial chair co-chair, because in reality, that person is going to be managing the expectations of the members and then the expectation of the staff. They sort of have to be the mediator in between. In our case, it came out a lot around how much is this going to cost them financially. There was time constrictions, but there was a couple of people on the staff that didn't want to spend a lot of time because time was money as well. But it was definitely around like, I also don't want to lose money on this proposition in the beginning. And so I think that the selection of the chair of this group is really key that they are able to wear both hats, that they're able to almost manage the disagreements that may come up from a policy perspective of what the group is doing from the new members. I think that just goes to the heart of the question that I have, which is like, what do you do if you don't have a Peter? Because it sounds like you did a lot of the heavy lifting. And I certainly have seen different iterations of junior boards where you have like one super dynamic founding chair. And then once they transition off, things start to fizzle. So talk to me a little bit about what do you do if you don't have a Peter? Well, I, th and I think there are ways to bulwark against the, the super impassioned original founder. One way is in the structure that you build it, you're going to want to have from as soon as it's possible, this committee of whatever X percentage of folks compared to the overall membership. And strategically, it helps the chair in terms of doing some of the work, creative ideas. You don't want it all to fall on the head. I'll just keep on repeating things that I think are great. Like we did a field day, which is a competition between junior boards. Of, this is another point as well. And so BAM used to have a junior board, support, like the young artists. New York Public Library did. Brooklyn... Brooklyn Park did, Conservancy Park did. And so we got all of them in the park and we did like a sack race, we did an egg toss, we did a water balloon, and we had trophies and it was great. And it was meant to sort of strengthen the civic nature of young professionals supporting cultural institutions in Brooklyn. That was sort of the overarching narrative. But a way to get back to your question is, I think it's important to create that leadership group. So by the time that the person steps down, there are people who have buy-in, who have the respect of the rest of the group, you want to make sure that you are, and those people also start to have relationships with the staff of the organization. So the staff feels comfortable with them as well. Being clear in terms of setting up signature programs also helps. So it's more than just the person. And so we always had our classic. We had the literary prize. We had three service activities throughout the year. Service is super important, right? In terms of connecting. And so depending on what the nature of the organization is, create a service activity that relates to that. So if you're able to develop some consistency around what the group does, consistency in communication, you sort of create that DNA stickiness that there is something there and it's more than just the person. And so it's not dependent on that one person step away. Because that is truly, that, that happens a lot of the cases. 
So logistically, what did that look like as far as coordination with the staff? Like, were there like monthly meetings? Did they come to your meetings? Yeah. Like, what's that? So first and foremost, we had like a Google share drive with all the resources. Those are just some of the production materials. The people that were most involved probably right, was obviously the development team. Then the marketing and comms team would be involved as well. So we would have, I think we had like a leadership meeting probably once a month. And then I think we also had the Eagles met either in person or this was all like for, yeah. So we'd meet in person at the different branches, probably I think four to five times a year. And then we try to do some social events as well. So we were organizing internally through Google in terms of the production documents. It was really important to have your, this is what the group is, like your fancy one pagers, right? Your recruitment stuff. And we had, and when you're ready, again, in terms of infrastructure, we were able to, and we had enough people build out that group that was on membership. And so these were the people who were most interested in helping to grow the group. And so then you had a strategy around just like you would, what does that look like? Are we making, we had like phone call nights and we'd have pizza and they'd make calls to their colleagues or to their friends. We had a group that was particularly interested in programs. So this is the group that is going to be responsible coming up with our two fun activities. And then we had a group that was specifically sharing the classic for the gala. So we sort of started to build that infrastructure and, and ultimately the stronger all of that became, the more likely that it would be durable. So let me ask you this, because I had experiences with junior boards. I am aware that part of it is tapping into the motivation for the participants. And so, especially for young professionals, like part of it is networking, part of it is the opportunity to build their professional networks with the grown-up board members. I say yeah. grown-up, but respectfully. Part of it is a social aspect. Part of it is wanting to be engaged in some deeper purpose. What were the drivers in your mind and how did you design around that in order to keep engagement high? Yeah, I think that first and foremost, there was just built in affinity for the library. And so presumably for the folks on the call and their organizations, so groups that are doing great work in the community and focusing on spe helping specific people, those are going to be your natural folks that you're recruiting for. So there's definitely an affinity for the, the underlying issue. I think there is definitely and increasingly so people who want to join for the leadership development, for the professional development, for the networking potentially on the board itself. There are people who want to join from a social perspective just to meet other people, like-minded folks that like those same issues. I think those are probably... It's great if you can find a situation where the, sometimes the companies that they work for are encouraging them to start to become more active civically in their communities. And then that's great as well. If there is the ability for them to have matching funds from the employers in terms of fundraising. So the, that's typically the sort of the, the reason why, why folks would be, would be joining. So I don't know if this is an issue that you dealt with, but in my experience, sometimes there was attrition due to just sort of the, the nature of young professionals moving and being transferred. And I also found that sometimes being lower down on the hierarchy, that they had less autonomy over their time. So like sometimes they'd be like, I know I said I would do this thing, but I just got this thing dumped on me and I can't make it or whatever it is. So I'm just wondering, how do you, like, did you experience some of that and how do you kind of protect against the natural vicissitudes of life. Yeah, we were pretty lucky. I think, honestly, what we did begin to see, 
at this stage, when people started to have families and kids and get married and complications, we did lose quite a couple of people to, I just don't have time anymore. And I guess the disregard against that is just having a deeper bench and a bench of folks that are coming from different professions. And it was really interesting to make sure that you had city government folks, you had your private sector folks, you had your arts folks, and it was the library. We had lots of people that were sort of in publishing and as you would expect. And so I think having a diversity of people, and then that's good as well, just from all the different that standpoints of the benefits of a, a diverse cohort, as you can imagine. So we we were pretty lucky, but I but I think just planning for that and, and trying to have um, backup was important. I mean, I think the net net is like, I'm conscious of time here, like I'm trying to think of what's like most helpful to the people. It is a lot of work in the beginning and there's nothing worse than creating a junior board with no strategy. It'll be a time suck, it'll fail, and it won't be worth it. Um, personally, I think obviously, I'm, I think there's tremendous value. To me, the biggest value is thinking really strategically from the perspective of an ED twofold. One, if you're smart about it, you are definitely trying to catch, catching folks who are at the beginning of their potential for future cultivation and as they work up on the ladder. And to all the same reasons that you look to good board members in terms of being like the cheerleading unicorn I described it for the regular board, right? Um, that those potential is there as well. It's just slightly different definitions of what you want from them. But if you do it right, you are creating these amazing cheerleaders and advocates for your organization who are going out and spreading the gospel of your group in the world. And so... So a couple questions, and I'm going to open it up for Q&A, but what was the sort of cutoff between sort of junior board consideration versus like grown-up board considerations? Because sometimes I, I, just, I feel like it can be sort of arbitrary. Like, is it an age cutoff? Is it a capacity cutoff? Like, how do you determine who would be really a good candidate? Few books I felt were too old, and I never broached the conversation because I didn't know what the lawyer in me was like, I don't want to get sued. I think... The financial thing that the give get, it's not there, or if it is very, very small, like that, that is, I think we maybe did put, we said young professional, I don't think we ever put an age to it. I think people sort of self-selected. I don't know if you are 50, if you want to be on a junior board, like as well, like it might just be something that you don't want to do. I know towards the end, I felt a little, I mean, I founded it, so I had some leeway, but as I got older, I was like, I don't know if I'm junior anymore. So I think it's kind of self, I didn't see it materialize. I think it's sort of self-selected. And did you find that junior board was a recruitment pool for the grown-up board? So I will say that, I, so the library also has the Whitman Circle, which I'm proud to say, I think was direct, the Eagles directly influenced that creation. So the Whitman Circle is a couple of years old, and that is for, that has point of entry there, I think is $1,500 up to $15,000. So it's for grown-ups. It's, you go to people's fancy Brookstone, Brownstone-Brooklyn's and you hear authors read, but it's it's 100% donor cultivation, donor giving. The expectation is people don't necessarily want community of culture with that they have their own busy lives, but quite a number of people have transitioned from the Eagles to the Whitman Circle. So from that perspective, is 100% been a financial cultivation. I think that the Eagles has also actually led to quite a number of partnerships with industry because you know, yes, they're junior professionals. Yes, they're the junior folks and they're not necessarily super senior in the offices, 
but they will start to bring their companies along. And if there is synergistic potential partnership that makes sense, those will unfold. So if you think creatively about how you define value and, and what that cultivation is, then I think that there's that opportunity as well for the value of the group. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of our corporate gifts and corporate giving overall was not a huge portion of our overall revenue pie, but good majority of our corporate gifts did come through junior board members and their companies because I think particularly because companies were aware of wanting their employees to be civically engaged and so forth, that there was that, hey, I talked to my boss and guess what? We have this foundation and it was a natural entry point for us to start to talk to them. There may be people that genuinely sort of gravitate towards straight up fundraising. And if that's the case as well, like part of it as well is just knowing who the members are and listening. And if that's the case, we certainly always had support from Lexi and the team if they wanted to tap them to like make specific asks to the companies and so forth. So that is an option as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, last question for me before we open it up for the audience. So thinking back on your experience, is there anything that you would have done differently? I'll get back to you on that. I don't. I wish I could say, I don't think so at this point. I mean, I'm sure we've made mistakes. I'm, I'm definitely sure that that, that that happened. I wouldn't have hired the mariachi band for the first event. I'll get back to you on that. Okay, sounds good. All right, we have some questions coming in. Ryan, do you want to jump in here and ask? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for sharing, Peter. This has been really great. Yeah, I had a quick question about you really emphasize kind of setting the strategy um, at the get-go. And I was wondering if once members started to join or you started to create that leadership committee, if that strategy changed at all based on people's interests or if the outcomes of the group ended up changing at all. That's a great question. I think that in the beginning in the years, we did try to stay closely aligned with the strategy because we didn't, and I think the library was worried as well. They didn't want to necessarily see a lot of fluctuation. They're like, we've made this commitment. These are the goals. Let's try to give it a chance versus pivoting too much. I think the greatest sort of specificity and the impact of the members was felt in the service projects that we did. Some people were more interested in like painting the branches, which interestingly enough was extraordinarily complicated with the labor and the unions of the folks that work there. But some people were more interested in more skill-based volunteering around, could they do reading, could they do mentoring? And so that was directly impacted, I think, by, by the members and so forth. But for the overarching strategy, we had a lot of debates, to be honest, around the ticket prices for the classic. I think there were $100. Some people felt Lexi and the team wanted to always marginally increase it. The Eagles board itself wanted to sort of lower it. I was definitely in the middle in terms of managing both sides. And so like, that's a great example, I think of like the real world, like as you think about who would share it or we could have co-chairs, like those are the types of like sort of real world questions that come up that you need the person to be able to satisfy lots of both sides. Great, thank you. Peter, a question coming up for me is, and this is more asking you to put your organizational development hat on as opposed to the Young Eagles hat, but can you give us a sense of when you feel like an organization might be ready to have a junior board versus one that you're like, maybe you're too early stage, or maybe this is, should not be a priority for you? That's a great question. And I was actually thinking a little bit about that. And I would say that 
you want a successful, make sure your primary board is in good shape. I mean, boards, right? We all know are they're never going to be perfect, but you keep them one or the other and, and your current board is just a hot mess. That's where you got to focus on, right? Like you need them for all the reasons why you and I think that's the other thing as well. The it can be an interesting potential way to deepen board membership connection and relationship if they're interested in having some type of informal role with the junior board. And a lot of times I've found both with Eagles and then with other clients and so forth, there's a lot of interest by board members to support junior board members. And, and the junior board members obviously love that. I would say five years in, in turn, I would say about five years in, it is a very nice to have. It is not mission critical, I think, to, to think about it that way. If the sheer thought of it gives you anxiety, even after you've put it aside and come back to it and gave some time to planning the strategy, then don't do it. Like it shouldn't cause you stress. I think your development person like just has to be on board, right? You don't want to wage war with that person be like, because they're going to have a critical role in it. So if they think it's not a good use of their time, then that's going to be a red flag, I think, in the beginning. All right. As we're wrapping up, this is a fun question I've been asking recently. If you had a billboard that you could put anything on to announce to the world, what would be on your billboard? And my billboard. Your um, very own billboard for the world. State of the world? I would say make sure to walk and stare at the sky and be nice. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I'm not very active. I really like walking. And I think people are so much nicer when they are walking and talking to people. So, and I think lots of goodness can come from that. So I love that. The walking meeting is actually one of my favorite strategies. It's two birds with one stone. You get the meeting and you get the exercise and you get the fresh air. So three birds, one stone. Well, Peter, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to include your LinkedIn information for folks if they want to get in touch with you. Is that all right with you? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks everyone. This was a lot of fun. I love boards of all sizes. I think they're super important. So thank you all for running organizations that do good work in the state. Thank you, everyone. Go forth. Go forth. Make healthy boards. <laughs>